Welcome to The Cleaning Podcast, dedicated content to answer all of your cleaning how-tos with the industry's most knowledgeable experts. If you need to clean it, sanitize it, deodorize it, and or otherwise remove from it all unwanted matter, you're in the right room. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm very happy today to introduce our expert, our guest, Doyle Bloss, IICRC certified instructor. He's the vice president of marketing at Hydromaster for the last eight years, VP of marketing and education at Interlink Supply for eight years, and vice president in marketing and training at Steamway for 20 years. Um, and I couldn't, when I looked this up, Doyle, I couldn't believe it's been eight years since you've been at Hydromaster, man. I thought that was not too long ago. <laughs> Time flies, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. Unbelievable. So Doyle, why don't you do a little introduction to yourself? Um, give us kind of the high level, why you're passionate about cleaning, and then specifically what got you into truck mounts? Because today we're going to talk about special tools, truck mounted carpet cleaning. Well, I appreciate that, Joe. Uh, You know, I got into the industry um, as a teenager. I was actually, my father worked for uh, Steamway, and my buddies and I found out that we could make a lot more money cleaning carpets than we could flipping burgers. And and so I actually, I like to tell people my mom took me, uh, my mom had to drive me to my first carpet cleaning job, um, and we used about a 168-pound quote-unquote portable to clean a gas station it took us three and a half the carpet in a gas station took us about three and a half hours and we thought we were dead at the end but that was kind of my introduction to carpet cleaning the supply side of the business obviously i was involved in a family business for 20 uh, uh, over 20 years as you mentioned and um and was in that company uh, manufactured truck mounted equipment and chemicals and tools and so that kind of uh, at at the point of of my career choice, I, I went into a family business, and then uh, after that we sold the family business, the opportunity opportunity came up to stay in the industry, and so I took advantage of that. And I think that's uh, the passion that I have toward the cleaning industry is is kind of twofold. On the personal side, it, I really enjoy watching people who get into our industry build businesses it it, it's it's still the same now as it was in the 1980s that a new person can get into the carpet cleaning business and if they market well and manage well they will make a lot of money and they will build a great lifestyle for them and their spouse or significant other and best of all that they'll even you know employ more people than that so on the personal side i just love watching um, entrepreneurs become successful and this business is still one of the best places to see that there's obviously other industries other service industries that people can be hugely successful at but I enjoy watching that on the on the science side you and I are kind of both kind of geeks on this I, I've always enjoyed the science of cleaning um, all the way back from when I first attended a, a seminars in Tulsa Oklahoma uh, in the very, very beginning of indoor air quality and this uh, studies and this very rec- the recognition that a clean environment is a healthy environment and the science of cleaning, the use of heat, the use of, of, of 
other things in the industry that um, were involved. And I, and I think from that standpoint, um, I, it's those two things, the passion for the, the seeing the success of the people and the passion for how cleaning science is applied through equipment, tools, chemistry, and, and understanding has always driven me to uh, enjoy staying as part of the uh, cleaning and restoration industry. Yeah, no, that's uh, that's a great answer. Way to summarize that. So watching others succeed and diving into the unknown. That's what I heard. Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, so in this episode, I want to focus on tools. We'll occasionally dive into tools. Um, and the first one, because such a large portion of our audience is carpet cleaners. And, you know, Doyle's such an expert on the truck mount itself. I wanted to talk about the truck mounted carpet cleaning uh, piece of equipment dating all the way back to what? I mean, if you take the horse and carriage dusters you've got in early 60s. Yes. That, that we recognize them today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think I, I think that I like to point it at. Uh, people from outside the industry that have credibility that uh, to point at why truck mounts can be so effective. I remember back in the 1980s when they were investigating a, 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 a quote unquote potential link between the onset of Kawasaki syndrome and carpet cleaning being occurring in the home. And even though the, the data pointed to the fact that if there was any correlation, it was basically spot removal and do-it-yourself cleaning there was a, 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 there was a big emphasis upon you know how do we do this well, we decided to jump right into it and one of the things that caught my attention is when we had a whole bunch of people from children's hospital in denver go out to a carpet cleaning job site where we were using truck mounts and one of the the the, the people there was a, a microbiologist that worked for the hospital who, when he saw carpet cleaning from a truck mount taking place, and he saw the temperatures that we were attaining, and the solution pressure that uh, of the the solution that was applied to the carpet, he looked up and he said, "We're barking up the wrong tree." Uh, you know, he goes, "This doesn't. This isn't causing problems. This is curing problems." Now, obviously, you know, and then the other thing that gets me excited about truck mounted cleaning is our old friend, Dr. Michael Berry. One of the most exciting thing when, when he was working with EPA, one of the things that he got so excited about was the waste tank. Now that sounds a little crazy. Why would you get excited about the waste tank and where, where you have recovered wastewater from the carpet cleaning process going? <laughs> That's because he's taking it out of the house. Exactly. That was exactly what he was so excited about. He said so many cleaning processes effectively clean the surface, but they don't know what to do with the wastewater or the waste material or the waste. And what he got so excited about is that these truck mounts had 80 to 120 gallon waste recovery storage systems where you could go and you could dispose of that wastewater in and the that place. wastewater is nasty. Yeah, and you could dispose of it in places 
where it was supposed to be disposed of. The sewage treatment system was able to handle most of the problems that truck-mounted carpet cleaning equipment could extract from an internal environment. So you not only were taking things from the internal environment that were potentially dangerous in dirt and germs and bacteria and everything, all the different types of soiling that we were extracting and anything that the homeowner or business owner might have spilled onto the carpet, which shouldn't stay there. But we were collecting it in a place and then we were properly disposing of it. And I think that's what people have a tendency to over, when, when you look at cleaning, it's about so much more than appearance improvement. Uh, if you're really looking at the definition of cleaning is to remove all soil and or as much soil as you can, and the definition of soil being everything that's foreign to the construction of the matter that you're cleaning. In our case, that would be carpet or it could be tile or stone or concrete floors. But the, if the definition of soil is everything that's foreign to the construction of, of the thing that you're cleaning, that's what's so exciting about truck-mounted cleaning. And what I think separates it from so many other things, ways to clean. There are certainly effective ways to make surfaces look better, but truck-mounted cleaning extracts the soil and the pollutants from the environment and stores them. And when it extracts, it has the ability, as you know, to use a lot of heat. And um, I'm a big believer in heat. I, I'm a big believer in heat every time I clean my dishes at home. And I'm a big believer in heat every time I clean a carpet or a hard surface because- Or a piece of upholstery or- upholstery, exactly. A handful of things. And, and I think that, that uh, the science has proven that over time, whether it be the studies that Dr. Berry did in the 1990s, the studies that AirMed did, in the early part of the, between 2012 and 2014, where they were trying to measure the effectiveness of truck-mounted carpet cleaning at removing allergens. That was their main focus. And what they found was that it works, and it works very effectively. Yeah, and, uh, bringing heat into the game with an extraction component opens the door for all kinds of levels of, of clean. Exactly. Exactly. And I think that, you know, it, one of the things that I like to do is, is especially when I'm talking to people who aren't real familiar with cleaning processes is talking about the difference between soil rearrangement and soil removal or extraction. And I think that, um, one of the things that we're recognizing now even is the popularity of luxury vinyl plank or luxury vinyl tile floors that are going into homes. And the, the homeowner looks at those floors as basically, you know, I, I mop it or I use my Swiffer on it and it's clean. But what's happening now is that a lot of these luxury vinyl plank floors have grooves in them. And that grooving in the floor is holding on to soil and it's not coming up with regular mopping and it's not coming up with the Swiffer. It's in, and, um, you know, Shaw even recognized that last year, they started looking at ways to apply the technology from truck mounts to cleaning the other surfaces in the, in the house beyond the carpet and the tile and the stone. 
And one of the things that we did is we worked with them on some studies on the effectiveness of, of using truck mounts on luxury vinyl plank and whether it would affect the construction. You know, the, the big concern anytime you're cleaning a hard surface floor with a truck mount and with high pressure is the adhesive that's used to, to glue it or hold it together or glue it to the floor. And uh, they did some testing and found that when done right, you can use a, a, a rotary tool and a truck mount on luxury vinyl plank. And I don't think anybody is, uh, I think that's just, we've, we're just scratching the surface on that because it's such a new floor covering. It's a demo sale. That's certainly the truth. You don't, I don't think that the homeowner uh, naturally thinks of their luxury vinyl plank as being dirty enough to hire a professional cleaner. But I do think that that as time moves on and, and people see four and five and six years of soiling building up in this grooving on their plank floor, they're going to look to the cleaning industry to help out. Well, I, again, coming back to some of the more basics of the what the truck mount provides in uh, as a cleaning tool, it's that heat and that you know distribution and that extraction. I mean, if you look at microbials, bacteria usually doesn't survive past 120 degrees, and if you can, you know blast it with 125 degree heat it's dead <laughs> well you know i think that um for the same reason that that health and safety departments want to make sure that the water in the dishwasher at the local restaurant is above 130 degrees fahrenheit yep people who have their carpet because you want sanitized plates and forks and knives that same idea can be applied to creating a healthy environment with the temperature coming from a truck mount. And that's going to be unique with that tool, right? Because then you can argue the truck mount's primary purpose is carpet cleaning, right? Attach a wand or hot, at least that's, that's how, you're, how you're going to make most of your money. You can get some attachments and do some tile and grout. You can do some attachments and suck, you know, water. Um, but at the end of the day, your bread and butter off a carpet cleaning machine for a business income is going to be related to cleaning carpet. Is that not true? I, yeah, I think that's true. I think that there is, there are a, a contingent, you know, when we, when we segment the marketplace, there are certainly restoration companies out there that use their truck mount as much for extraction and site cleanup as they do for carpet cleaning. And that, you know, that it's not that they don't clean carpets, it's that that their truck mount is used as much for um, removing contaminants and, and pressure washing and extracting indoors and outdoors. Um, and then obviously the water extraction side of it. But yeah, as a general rule, a person who buys a truck mount is going to be making uh, that's that's concentrating on cleaning rather than restoration is going to be making a, a significant portion of their income from cleaning carpets. I mean, at the end of the day, it boils down to you have a big, you call it a blower, but it provides suction uh, in a truck. <laughs> and then it has uh, the place to gather all the stuff that it sucks. And then, of course, you start adding in, okay, a disbursement and temperature and you pretty much got yourself a truck mount. Exactly. And I think another thing that, that, that comes into play is because our customers, your customers, HydroMasters customers, 
because they encounter such a wide variety of soiling conditions during the day. I mean, if you follow the average cleaner who makes, you know, a majority of their revenue in the residential marketplace, there's not, they could go to four or five houses and, and a business in a day. Let's just say they line up four to six jobs. Very often. Six is huffing it. It, it, they the, they absolutely are encountering at least three distinctly different soiling environments during the day. I mean, there are obviously cleaners who do such a good job marketing to high end that they're cleaning mostly clean carpets. But the average carpet cleaner, he's going to go from a little old lady's house who's basically getting her carpet clean because she wants somebody to talk to to uh to to his next job being a, a, a an apartment pack out you know to his next job being uh you know the average home with you know two kids and a dog and a cat and but the carpet hasn't been clean in four or five years to his next job being a, a restaurant and i think that the power of the truck mount combined with you know, the the unique chemistry that's been developed really exclusively for our industry is is powerful because our customers have to clean a lot of different types of jobs and they have to get that night and day wow effect on every one of them and i think when you look at cleaning uh in the jansan world even if you just look at the chemistry of carpet cleaning chemicals they don't have the wide variety of choices that we do in our industry in pre-sprays. And it's real simple because they're not encountering the, the different types of soiling every day that our carpet cleaning customers are. Yeah. And I, and I can hear the hackles being raised. So I think we should touch on it real quick in that, um, the reason why I wanted to touch on truck mounts is because they are unique, but they have some competitive methods uh, in the industry for kind of doing the same work. Although I would disagree, but I'm learning. So perhaps there's room for my error here. Um, you know, back in the day when carpets first came to be in mass in the 60s, right? Like in the 50s, it was a luxury. Most people couldn't afford it. But come the early 60s, it was it was pretty much a thing. And so uh, I think Sears was one of the first companies. This is where Ed York kind of got the, his whole idea from. They would come in and they'd shampoo the rug, mm -hmm. right? So they'd put a surfactant down and then they, you know, extract it and they'd leave all kinds of residue behind. But it would kind of be clean. <laughs> well, um, what's funny is those original shampooers were using coconut oil as the one of the main ingredients in the surfactants that the shampoos used the 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 downside to coconut oil in your shampoo was that it was pretty sticky and so it made the carpet look better but it would resoil faster but it's kind of funny because coconut oil has now made a comeback because it's a green cleaner <laughs> it's oh yeah. it's a plant-based right. cleaner but uh, yeah, it's not new. They were, they were using they were using that way back in the fifties and sixties. Yeah, well, and you know, you would hear people like Ed go, "Oh, that's good for business." They'll just call us when it gets ugly again. 
uh, of course, hot water extraction then comes onto the scene through the 80s and all kinds of people throw down their stuff in the 70s. But it really gets the boom right uh, as the dominant cleaning method. Um, and then, of course, uh, the scientists got to screw it all up with encapsulation. And so now there's this bonnet cleaning market and you can get a machine for a fraction of the cost and open a cleaning business and be semi-effective. Um, and so from a business point of view, there'd be plenty of people who would argue, do you need a truck mount? And I guess the answer for me is only if you want to take the dirt with you. Well, I mean, I think that, the, the, yeah, I think that's what it essentially comes down to is uh, I think that, uh, you know, we make an encapsulation chemist. We make a couple of encapsulation chemicals. And I love, I actually love encapsulation. If you compare it to bonnet, to old traditional bonnet cleaning or powder cleaning or even shampooing, because I think it's faster and it, 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 it dealt with the biggest issue with some of the quote unquote low moisture methods, which was that very often the cleaning chemistry itself was as potentially soil gathering as it was eliminating soil. But I think if you're really talking about extraction of soil from the environment and, uh, you know, to remove the dirt, um, I still think that, that encapsulation still has its shortcomings. Well, it sure has its place too. The yeah, right absolutely. For the right job though would be my larger point, right? A absolutely. And I think that there are also, um, you know, there are successful cleaners out there that are, that are doing residential cleaning as their primary way of making money. And they only use low moisture methods and they do a good job. So don't, I don't, you know, anytime you get into a, uh, <laughs> methods fight it's like you, you know people, email to jay kowalski at servicemonster.net <laughs> yeah yeah it, they want they want to take out you know they're, they're almost like the political parties these days they both take they want to take extreme positions and i thought and i don't think anybody's trying to take an extreme position i just don't think that you can compare the cleaning power of a, of, of a CRB machine and an encapsulation chemical at, if you're measuring clean by the removal and extraction of soil from the environment in comparison to a truck mount. Uh, if the customer is happy with the appearance improvement of, of encapsulation or any other low moisture method, uh, good for them. And, and, I, and I don't think that that's it. But I think you'll even find that most people who make a lot of money doing low moisture know there's times when you've got to extract everything from the environment. And I think that, you know, that goes the same thing that people have been tra training in IACRC classes for 40 years, which is there's there's interim maintenance and there's restorative maintenance. And I think that uh, encapsulation was a great advancement for interim maintenance methods. That's right. And I think there are occasions where right. it can be used to really clean dirty, dirty carpets and make them look better. But I don't know that the soil removal is as high a level as, as we'd want to get it. Plus, there's no heat. Right. So there's, you know, that option is rarely available. That that is that is correct. And I think that's probably the thing that if you buy into the science of heat and cleaning, which if you're not buying into it, it's because you're not reading the science. But if you're not buying into the science of high, high heat and cleaning, then you can explain that away. But if you accept the fact that hot cleaning solutions 
and and the the high flow of water coming out of a truck mount um, do more for a, you know making the environment healthier. I then I I think you've got to recognize that. Yeah. No. I and and you know. And, and, and remember, Joe, some of your and my best friends sell low moisture equipment and chemicals. So it's like, again, the right tool for the right job. I think a credible cleaning company is going to have an arsenal and they're going to be uh, dedicated to understanding how this works. And they're going to have gone to some classes and realized that they know enough at first to think they know something and then adjust a little bit more to realize they still know nothing. And I think there are hot water extraction guys. There are truck mount guys out there that are, that are so close minded that they miss out on opportunities, especially in the commercial setting where they're bidding against, uh, you know, uh, an encapsulation method that can profitably clean carpets, um, you know, for pennies a square foot, many pennies, but pennies versus, you know, coming in with a 40 cent a square foot bid on a commercial job. You're just not going to get a lot of commercial jobs that way. No. And you'll still land the annual, right? Exactly. And so you'll do, sorry, you'll do a deep dive on the annual cleaning and then you'll come in with quarterly encapsulation and they will love you forever. Absolutely. Absolutely. So very good. Okay, but let's talk about some cons. So now we've seen some of the alternatives and the pros are pretty simple to understand. It gives us extraction. It gives us uh, hot water um, or heat uh, at the point. So those are the two big wins. Now, of course, you can chemical distribution, but you can do with a portable or stuff like that. It's really that power of extraction and heat that uh, makes the truck mount unique among the tools some cons right this is a big expense what are the what's a typical truck mount gonna run you that's a that's a great question because it's one that 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 gets asked all the time and i think the biggest thing that that people from outside the industry that are looking to get into carpet cleaning have a tendency to overlook is the is the van because a truck mount obviously is going to require a large you know a vehicle you you can do truck mounts with trailers um but we don't we don't recommend it. I think you can set up a trailer to do an efficient operation. But I think that and and part of that, as you know, Joe, is it's hard to find low mileage, good used vans. People don't generally buy a van, lease it for, or lease a van, drive it for two or three years and then get rid of it. People drive vans until they don't drive anymore. And so if you can, one of the ways to reduce the, the, the con of the expense is, is to try and find a high quality used van. It's just hard to do. And there, there are some companies in our industry who do a good job of finding them and they sell a lot of truck mounts because of that. They're able to match people with 10 to $20,000 vans and, and a truck mount and get them into the business for 25 or 30,000. But that's you, amazing. I did not know that. Absolutely. Is that they, they, they absolutely go look for used equipment. So are these distributors? Yeah, there are certain distributors that, that concentrate on that part of the market. They're not trying, you know, they, they, they focus on entry level and they focus on new people in the business. 
and they'll get into a lot of discussion about how big a blower's big enough and how do I have a 40 horsepower engine versus All right, so we'll start there. So they they hook you up, they hook me up with a $20,000 van, right? Ready right. to go. Right. Now I buy the truck mount. What's that going to cost me? And the, the uh, truck mount these days ranges anywhere between about 14,000 and uh, and 40,000. So there's a wide, a hugely wide range in there. And what's the difference between a $40,000 truck mount and a $14,000 truck mount? Well, the, the honest truth is, Joe, that if that's where we, when, when it comes to choosing a truck mount and selecting a truck mount, the first thing you got to do is answer some questions. You know, one of the questions I throw at everybody who wants to get into a how big a blower discussion is what's your average hose pull on a, 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 you know if you've got 200 feet of hose on the truck and you've never taken off that last 50 feet then your average hose pulls about 150 feet and if that's really what you do on 90% of your jobs a smaller truck mount is going to do a good job for you and it's going to do a good job, more importantly, for your customer. It, so more money, more power. That's exactly, the equation. Exactly. And, but if you're cleaning, you know, 500 feet away from the truck, if you're cleaning giant open areas of carpet, if you're cleaning, you know, when do you need a bigger truck mount? I think when you're, when you're getting the types of jobs. The other thing that a lot of people ask, because, you know, a dual wand truck mount, a, car, a, car, a truck mount that's capable of doing dual one cleaning is going to, you know, you're now into the twenty five dollars to $40,000 range. And I would be hard-pressed not to suggest, you know, budging out your one of your most important pieces of equipment if you're creating a carpet cleaning business is making sure you can scale. I'm, I'm obsessed with scale. Um, and so, yeah, even I, I, I would think that those single – unit single one units should be a no-go which means that you're looking at 45 to 50 grand to get into a rig yeah between uh, a new van if you're looking at new vans new vans are generally between about 28 and 38 thousand dollars now so and so if you're looking at a dual one truck mount or a direct drive truck mount um which most of the direct drives out there are dual one units but they're, they're the um if you then you're looking at you know you're looking at twenty five to thirty thousand for the truck for the machine, and twenty eight to thirty eight thousand dollars for the van, and uh, so you're looking you know a typical uh, setup these days is going to be between sixty five and eighty five thousand depending upon how many accessories and tanks and everything that you go so it's a significant investment. And so if somebody's listening to this this uh, us, this discussion and they're kind of hanging their head because they want a truck mount but they can't afford a truck mount listen that you're not the first person to encounter that challenge get started get a good portable uh, you know start with a low moisture system if you need to and scam Craigslist, look for people who just went out of business exactly. who have a truck oh, mount exactly. they need to get rid of. Yeah. Talk to the, the the finance companies that have some good deals on on repos because daddy bought son a, a truck mount and son didn't want to work very hard, things like that. Um, 
you know, get started. You can do a doggone good job of, of, of making your customers happy and build your business up. But there's no doubt that you're talking about a significant investment. And that's why I think, you know, I, if somebody wants to try carpet cleaning, try it with a portable or a low moisture system. Don't try it with a $75,000 investment. That's right. Uh, and that that's, you know, because this business isn't for everybody. It's hard work. It's hard labor. And and um, so it, don't don't be afraid of that. But, yeah, definitely, you know, uh, truck mounted equipment is expensive and it's it's an investment. And, you know, it'll return you, you know, 50 to one at a minimum over its lifetime if you take care of it. But um, so it's got a good return on investment, but not everybody's got the, the credit or the capital to get forty to eighty thousand dollars together or borrow forty to eighty thousand dollars and buy one of these things. No, it's a it's definitely a gate. I mean, because for seven bucks you can buy a bucket and a squeegee and start a window cleaning business. Exactly. And right? you know, exactly. <laughs> and that's and and I know people that have started with a with an eight hundred dollar portable that they bought off of of Craigslist that are now multi truck carpet cleaning operators. Yeah, so if we've been seen them seventeen years. I know you've been in longer, but yeah. yeah. So don't don't be discouraged if you're new to the business and and the finances. It's kind of like, and I know you work with your clients on this too. The, the the it's real easy to talk about you know i only do high-end jobs but when you're new let's face it most cleaners that are new are going to take every job they can get their hands on and they probably should <laughs> they they got to make that mortgage payment so it's like and the loan payment so it, it, we can get pickier on our clientele later um let's 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 go get the business first yeah but don't sell yourself short. Otherwise, you'll be constantly backpedaling. Well, I think that's that's the, the biggest. In fact, there was somebody, I, I can't remember who I'd love to give him credit. There was an article um, a couple months ago out in the industry about that, is that you, you have to charge enough to reinvest into your business. And, you know, I know people like Chuck Violin and myself and you and others for years have been trying to get people to understand that if you price yourself at a point to pay only for what you've got now, you're never going to have enough money to go acquire the better equipment, the better vehicle that you want in the future. And uh, that... Yeah, I know you work with that all the time on helping people figure out what their break-even point is. And the break-even point isn't just survival. It's survival plus enough money so that you can grow the business. Got to have that extra cash in order to hire people and grow and get off the truck. Otherwise, you get painted into a corner and you'll be on the truck forever. And if self-employment is your goal, mazel tov. Uh, but if you're like want to build a big business and you're not priced right and you get a couple people and you can't pay them well and employment employee employment relationship isn't your thing because you haven't done it enough yet and it sucks for you and then they leave and you have to replace them and you're like it's just easier to be a single owner operator cool a absolutely 
You know, Joe, I think we probably should address the other elephant in the room when it comes to truck mounts um, and the cons. And that is that they are machines that break down. Maintenance, they, baby. They, they have to be serviced and they have to be maintained. And they and can I, only be serviced by certain distributors. Is that not correct? Well, there's a lot of service and maintenance that cleaners can do themselves. That's another one of the questions I always ask people is how mechanical you are. Are you? I'm a mechanical idiot. You know, it, if the waste tank's not full and the dump valve is closed properly and there's fuel in the gas tank and my the machine's not running right, I'm probably going to call for some help because um, that's just the way I'm wired. I know other guys that can, you know, on a job site, troubleshoot and fix a machine that's got an issue without any problem. So that's that's something that each different person, I think, needs to ask themselves. And that uh, that relates to what you just said. You brought up distributors and service centers. Another question you've got to address if you're going to invest in a truck mount is how far are you from a good service center? Because there are truck mounts that require less service and maintenance. As a general rule, direct drive truck mounts require less maintenance, less service, and they have less downtime. Um, but you're also running the van of the engine to run your truck mounts, so, or the engine of the van, excuse me, to run your truck mount. So that's, you know, if I'm four or five hours away from a good service center, and you have clients that are like that, just like we do, I, you know, you, there's 180 good distributors in the industry, um, but there are still cleaners that are three to four hours of driving time from the closest regional authorized service center. And so you got to keep that in mind. If you're a long ways from, uh, you know, people in the north, in the east don't understand out here in the west that there's places in Montana where the towns are two hours apart, much less how how close is the, you know, how, how close is the closest service center. And so I, I think that's another thing that plays into it. Uh, the, I, I do think one of the things that's helping though, Joe, is, is, there's so much more information now available about servicing a truck mount, so much more help. Um, we've got a Hydromaster owners group on Facebook that's it's not it, it's not ran by us as much as it is by people who own Hydromaster truck mounts helping each other out. Because if your truck if you're if you've got the pre-spray down and it's two o'clock in the morning and your truck mount yeah. breaks. Yep. You can't run it back to the service center and you can't call Hydromaster. So I, I think that we've got an, uh, you know, I think that's one of the, we've got an online app now to help you troubleshoot your truck mount from your cell phone. So I think that, that the, uh, the ability to maintain and service a truck mount is getting easier, but um, the, the, uh, that doesn't mean that they're not a, a, big piece of machinery that requires you take care of it and that you do your regular maintenance and sooner or later they'll all break at some point um they all you know so it's there's no there's no truck mount out there that isn't going to have an issue sometime and that's that's different than you know 175 rpm floor machine it probably is right. either going to work or not work right vacuum cleaner right yeah spend the 500 bucks goes down, go spend another 500 bucks. And, you know, I'll take this because we're early into these episodes as a, just a general opportunity to, 
yell about redundancy as part of a business model, a smart business model. I know that it's impractical to buy two truck mounts in case one goes down, but there's certainly other pieces of gear where that can hold true. And as your organization gets bigger and you get bit by stuff don't work, um, something to think about. Redundancy is a real deal. Anything that we do physical here, it's redundant. Two, two um, thing, two mistakes that I often see carpet cleaners make, especially people who want to say stay single truck. They don't want employees. In other words, they want to do it themselves. The two mistakes, the two most common mistakes I see carpet cleaners make that get themselves into trouble is one, what you just said. They just bought a new truck mount. So the first thing they want to do is sell the old truck mount. Uh. There was a reason they were upgrading and things. But the fact is, if, if you've got to basically give away your used truck mount, you'd be better off to keep it as a backup. You keep were, it. Absolutely. It's already paid for. Um, you yeah. know, if you're that desperate for four or five grand, then your your issues are bigger than than the fact that you need to sell your truck mount. So, you know, let's get some management and marketing training. The second mistake that I see them make is underinsuring the whole setup. Um, yeah. It's remarkable how many guys get in wrecks and uh, and sometimes that aren't even their fault and find out that that their coverage or the person who ran into them's coverage is not going to is doesn't cover the truck mount in the back vehicle only, baby. And um, it's just astonishing to me in this day and age that that people still make that mistake. But, you know, and I was t- I'm not an insurance expert. But that's what you have an agent for. And you go in and you sit down with them and you give them some worst case scenarios and say, you know, what kind of coverage do I need to make sure that I've got this taken care of? And so that that's something else to keep in mind when you've got 60 to 80 thousand dollars invested in a truck mount. You got to make sure you're properly insured if somebody T-bones you at 70 miles an hour on the highway. You know, it's it, and then factor in the cost of lost work. Absolutely, absolutely. a machine that's not down to you know 250 jobs, uh, 250 dollars a job, four jobs a day, grand a day. You're losing potentially. Uh, so yeah, not uh, not okay. Uh, so cost, maintenance, insurance, and then one little angry man that's both a, uh, a pro and a con, waste. Because you can take it out of the building and the environment, but then what? That's you, a, you can't keep it stored in your truck forever. You know, I was doing an interview last week with somebody who asked me about wastewater disposal. And I was describing to them the wastewater disposal system that that Hydromaster manufactures. And most of the truck mount manufacturers make good wastewater disposal systems. They're a lot better than they were 20 years ago. So if you owned one 20 years ago and you didn't like it because it was clogging all the time, try it now. But the fact is, is that that they, they were just they said, oh, that's why doesn't everybody have that? Why? Why would you drive around? town with a hundred gallons of wastewater in the back of your truck 
you know, all the weight help wearing out your van and your tires and everything else. And you've got to find a place where it's legal to dump it. And, you know, why doesn't everybody have a wastewater disposal system? And my answer was real simple. Most people don't view it as a problem until they get caught doing something they're not supposed to. And, um, you know, waste, so what is the waste disposal system in the van do? That, the, the, the key thing to remember is there is no overriding federal law that applies to every carpet cleaner in every state or even in every province in Canada that says you can never do this except for one thing. And that is your wastewater can never, ever, ever go in the storm sewer. Okay, that's the one absolute law that everybody must abide by. So when a carpet cleaner gets caught opening their dump valve into the storm sewer and gets fined, they've got nobody to blame but themselves because that's an absolute no-no everywhere. The gray area is obviously, are there places where you can put it on the ground rather than in the sanitary sewage treatment system. There are some municipalities that prefer you to put it on the ground because they don't have the wastewater handling capabilities at their sewage treatment site to deal with large quantities of water. But we, that's why when, when we investigate this, the, the first off, one of the things that you need to be careful about saying absolutes, people have a tendency to go out and say that my carpet cleaning wastewater is never hazardous. Well, that's not true if you extracted something from the carpet or the hard floor that was hazardous. Um, I, I know a carpet cleaner that extracted a bunch of gasoline. If you're extracting gasoline <laughs> into your waste tank, it's hazardous. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's not a good idea. So that, be careful about using absolutes. The fact is, is that carpet cleaning wastewater is a general rule. The, the best place to put it and the place that most jurisdictions request and in some places require that you put it is into the sanitary sewage treatment system. That's the toilet or the janitor's closet or the bathtub so uh, it's it's not the storm drain out in the parking lot it's not even necessarily in commercial settings drains that are in the back of the warehouse some of those go directly to the storm sewer so make sure you get it into the sanitary sewage treatment system and you know joe you and i've been doing this a long time and you'd think after this many years that everybody would know the rules and but every three or four months we'll get a call from a cleaner that's in trouble because they dumped their water somewhere they shouldn't have oh everybody knows the rules everybody knows you the sure rules. You, should, you would certainly hope so you would certainly hope so that in this day and age that especially you and i live in the northwest so every 10 to 100 feet we see that don't dump things here because you're going to kill the salmon signs so we should certainly know it up here huh I have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah, the, all this, all this. Uh, there's uh, in my in my neighborhood alone, there are three different signs that say "Do not dump into this storm sewer" because it feeds directly 
to a stream where salmon spawn. Well, don't kill the salmon, man. No, that's why you don't, you don't dump even, you're not even allowed on my block to wash your car in the driveway. If the, if the waste goes down into this, the storm sewer. Sir, factants are nasty. They can be. They can also be beneficial. That's the whole thing is figuring out what belongs where and how much of it. And everybody on your block would only use beneficial surfactants. I, that's the issue. Exactly. <laughs> so, um, okay, very good. So I think we covered the cons fairly thoroughly. What about the future? You've said direct drive a few times. And, you know, I know you won't say electric because that gives the wrong impression. If your vehicle is not electric then uh, you don't have an electric system yeah it's but it's, I, it's yeah i appreciate you asking that joe because it, it, i get the same the the word electric scares me the but the the word hybrid kind of scares our engineers but i think hybrid technology is the best way to describe one of the futures of truck mounts um, i'm an engineer and that's a horrible name yeah they don't like that name because hybrid means a certain thing to them but it means gas and electric and you want to take the gas completely out of the out of the thing i am totally you're in the you and i are both marketers and i'm an engineer and i'm saying don't go with hybrid yeah so so here's here's what here's what to, to understand about the future of truck mounts direct drive units and and we probably have listeners that don't understand the difference between a direct drive and a slide-in. So real quickly, let me, a slide-in unit is a truck mount that has its own power source. In 99.8% of the cases, that is a liquid-cooled or air-cooled gasoline engine that's sitting on the truck mount generating its own power. A direct drive truck mount takes power from the engine of the van. The primary way that that's been done for the last 20 years in our industry, before that it was done different ways, but is, a 20, by the way, Joe, the CDS is going to be 35 years old this year. Isn't that incredible? That's, yeah, well, ish. I, I'm going to be a grandfather, sir. Yeah, so it's, it's 35 years old this year. But a direct drive unit that get, the, the primary way it's done is it takes a second drive shaft off the engine of the van. So it's getting its power from the engine of the van. That drive shaft goes back to the truck mount where it gives power so that the vacuum blower can suck and so that the solution pump can pump. And then it has an added advantage that you can use the the heated water from the van engine, the radiator water, in other words, to help heat the cleaning solution. So that's a direct drive unit. The, the issue that's come up is that the new unibody construction vans, um, you can't, the, the firewall between the engine compartment and the van does not allow for a second drive shaft. So because of that, we developed the, a new truck, a new type of truck mount technology called the, the CDS X-Drive. And right now it's, it's alone in its class. There's nobody else making one. That will change in a few years, but for right now, it's, it is what it is. That The X-Drive has a generator mounted to the front of the engine. That generator sends power back to a controller. That controller is bringing truck mounts into the computer age. 
because that controller is can be is operated think of it as a computer and the, when it you have to service the drug mount you have to be in some cases hooked up to the right computer to tell you what to do but that computer tells the electric motor how hard to turn and how and you know how how hard to operate itself and so the great thing about the x drive is that if it needs more power if you're on, if you're you're bogging down because you're on a glue down commercial carpet installed over concrete, rather than the blower bogging down, it sends more power to the blower, and that's one of the great things about the X drive. And and I think it's so the X drive's motor is electromagnetic. It's an yeah, it's it's an it's, it's an electricity. It, it produces kilowatts. It produces between. 17 and 20 kilowatts of power so it's it's basically the equivalent of a 27 to 30 horsepower engine and so still driven though by the, the engine the just van. through the electrical that, that's correct conduit. and i In don't want you want to want to keep your van running lest you run out of juice exactly and so i t- if somebody wants to call it an electric truck mount that's fine with me i don't care what they call it as long as they try it out and see if it's the right machine for them but i don't want people to get confused because there are quote unquote it's a powerless electric that's correct there are there are large portable units that are installed in trucks that operate off of generators that you could call an electric truck mount or you plug them in in the house in fact um you know the, the electric truck mounts go all the way back to steam services. Speaking of Ed, but are they using electric motors in that condition? They were using electric motors back then, but now that the the that uh, that that technology um, didn't survive the introduction of of direct drives and 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 entry level slide ins. But there are portables. There are portables out there that uh, that are there. There are equip. There is equipment out there that's called an electric truck mount, but it runs purely off of either a generator or off of plugs into the house or business. But that's not what the X drive is. The X drive gets its power from the van of the engine. It's a large generator. It's got the same massive amount of power. And in our case, what we're finding is it's got a little bit more heat and a little bit more vacuum than the CDS does because we at max, right? At max when, when you're yeah. yeah. And the, you know, so the the other future of truck mounts will be can there will be a can I think you'll see a, a I think you'll see a split. I think the the truck mounts will either be sold as simpler where there's less things on them or i think some people will choose to want to buy truck mounts that are really computer based and that that so i think you'll see i think yeah why hasn't hydromaster and service monster hooked up for auto maintenance schedules and mobile app turnoffs when you're at we're not we're not that far from that you know it it really is and 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 I think people ask, we could make the X drive where you could turn it off from the inside of the house now, but nobody wants to pay for the three to $4,000 that extra 
you know, not, I shouldn't say nobody, not enough people want to pay the extra, but yeah, that technology is coming. I mean, the tech, the, the, you know, 20 years from now, your mechanic at your local distributor may be able to dial into your truck mount on location and find out why it's not performing right. That's, that's the, 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 the few, that's one of the futures that you could see in truck mounts is that you'll be able to do diagnostics remotely to find out what's not functioning. That's and coming. with electric motors, though, your failure rate's going to be much, much lower. I don't know that we have enough data to say that yes or no yet. I really don't. I mean, if you look at a Tesla, right? Yep. The damn thing don't need oil. <laughs> the only thing that you need to pour in it is windshield wiper fluid. <laughs> yeah, and I, I think you'll see that. You know, the the uh, people ask about the technology in the X drive. The the power sources that we were u- that we're using aren't new aren't new. They're being used right now in motorcycles and 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 boats. So and have been for several years. So it's not new. It's just new to our industry. Um, well, not even like you said, new to the industry. It just didn't survive whatever 60s or 70s era they had, exactly. you know, exactly. When the, the fight was like Betamax versus <laughs> the thing is, and as Tesla knew the person, not the car, um, man, yeah, electromagnetic motors are just better. <laughs> They're just better. Well, I think you'll see, I think you'll see, you know, that. I think you'll see technology that's developed in other worlds, you know, cars is the most obvious ones brought to truck mounts um, in the future. But I also see, um, I also see that, that, that um, a lot will depend upon whether they continue to produce vans that, um, you can put a second drive shaft in. Chevy and GMC is the only one left that you can. And uh, I need to be careful about absolute statements. Some brilliant engineer may be able to figure out a way to do it eventually in another unit. And hydraulics may make a comeback in our industry at some point. I, I don't think so because they're so messy and they didn't have a real good track record, but but people tried hydraulics in the past in truck mounts. and. It, it didn't work out very well, but th- there there are different things that might happen. But I also think that um, that you're going to see truck mount technology applied, as I talked about earlier. I think you'll see it used in on more surfaces. I think that as you know, the carpet stabilized, um, and what I mean by that is the amount of carpet that's out there is not shrinking anymore. It's actually growing slightly if you look at the amount of new carpet that's being shipped. But um, the the popularity of no maintenance floors, I think we're going to find out there's not anything. There's really no such thing as no maintenance floors. Everything requires will eventually require some level of deep cleaning. And I think you're going to continue to see truck mounts applying their technology to clean other surfaces besides carpet. I think that's what, you know, when you ask what's the future of truck mounts, I think you'll continue to see that evolve. Where that goes, I don't know, but I, I like to look at it from the point of view of there's uh, the the pressure washing world, the indu- not the $200 pressure washer you can get at Home Depot, but $4,000 to $30,000 hot water pressure washers 
are, if you look at it, are really truck mounts without a vacuum. And um, the, the amount of work that the pressure washing industry, when it's working outside, has to do, setting up boons and other types of things to manage and collect their wastewater, I think you're going to see truck mounts take over some of that market um, because of the ability to cat recapture the wastewater immediately rather than have to direct it somewhere. The other thing I think you'll, the, the future of, of that we've got to watch for is, um, is can we, can, will we eventually be able to make a recycling machine for the wastewater that's affordable so that you could reuse the water? Uh, I think that's another real potential that will come eventually. Um, the technologies, that cool. the, the, the technologies out there now, it's just too expensive and too big, but that, that's a real, there's some testing being done right now on wastewater from cleaning processes. That's going to be very applicable to our industry. If it, if they can demonstrate that, um, at the end, the, the, the recycled water is ready to use and, and doesn't cause resoiling there, there's. There's actually recycling systems out there now, but their ability to remove all the oil-based soiling from the wastewater is questionable. And that's why they cause resoiling because the water's too oily. Um, so, but that's, there, that's, I think, are just some possibilities of where we're headed in the future. Very good. Doyle, thank you so much for your time today. I, that was very enlightening. Well, thank you, Joe, and I appreciate the opportunity to to share. Um, you know, you and I were talking about uh, there's just nothing more powerful than training and education and learning every day. Or I've been in this business since '72. I've been in the supply side since '83, and I still learn something every week. Um, uh, I learn a lot from our customers and the the challenges that they face and the obstacles they overcome and it's it learning is a constant thing and i think one of the things that that you can provide that you provide as a service to your customers so well is because you have such a large base of customers providing you with data you might be the single most important source in the world of good data for carpet cleaners to use on what the quote unquote averages and how to be better than average. So I appreciate all that you do to help your clients grow their businesses and understand how to manage them better. I, I appreciate that. And um, I would say that we hope that we're sharing that information with not just our clients, but kind of everybody as we discover it. We you know, create that kind of content and that is definitely a, a big thing. Well, I, 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 a perfect example a perfect example of that is I still see at least once a month in social media, a newer carpet cleaner, not somebody brand new, but maybe been in it two or three years, pretty much established, asking the big question of how much, you know, what percentage of my revenue should I spend on marketing? And <laughs> mo they get lots of answers and a lot of them are based upon personal experiences. Some of them are based on made up stuff. But if they really want to know what the average is, they can ask you. You know the average. Right. So it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's not over beer conversations, right? Right. right. 
It's, I mean, Service Monster processed $500 million in invoices last year. Oh, wait, no, that's an old stat. I get a new stat. Holy shit. I got to get David on that. It's January. It's January. It's time for 2019 data. That's what I've been getting yelled at by my boss for the last week is I need the new data. That's that that data you just gave me is so 2019. Gosh, 2000. (laughs) Yes, 2018. (laughs) Very good. Doyle, thank you so much. It's a pleasure as always. And we will have you back, sir. Thank you, Joe. Have a great day. You've been listening to The Cleaning Podcast. Send all of your cleaning questions to thecleaningpodcast at servicemonster.net and be sure to subscribe to the show. Special thanks to our expert today. And remember, if they could clean it themselves, they wouldn't need an expert like you.